if the season were to end today, the MVP <laughs> would be Kyler Murray and the defensive MVP would be Chandler Jones. This episode of Half Forgotten History is brought to you by Starbucks Triple Shot Energy Extra Strength Coffee Beverage in a Can. That's Starbucks coffee that you love, ready to drink, offered in classic flavors, and now in zero sugar. They have four core flavors, vanilla, dark roast, cafe mocha, and caramel, and now also offering two zero sugar flavors, black and vanilla. Both are zero sugar and dairy-free. What gives you your energy? Find your Starbucks triple shot energy online or at your local store. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome to the week one edition of the Chop Shop for the 2021 regular season. Could not be more fired up to talk football with my good friend, Mark Schlereth. What's up, Stinky McBean? Um, And you know what? It's the football season, right? I mean, how good is that? We got week one in the books. I'm already charging forward to week two. But uh, man, I tell you, you know what, Trey, just on a quick aside, Calling yeah. a game in New York, MetLife Stadium, over you know, over the twentieth, twentieth. Uh, I don't even want to call it what the Tony anniversary of uh, of nine eleven. And there's very few things in my life that are more connective, um, that that bring a community together more than football. Yeah. Eighty two thousand people together to celebrate football. It was so cool to be a part of that. And I think one of the coolest things, because I think as a player, you take it for granted sometimes how much the fans actually mean to you. I talked to a bunch of people on the field that were like, man, last year was the most sterile environment. It was like playing Pop Warner football. We are so glad to have fans back in the stands so we can share the experience. So really cool to be a part of that. Really proud, um, you know, to broadcast NFL games on Fox. Really just proud uh, to be a part like you have been a part of the National Football League for so many years. Yeah, and, and I think uh, before we start diving into what we do, again, for people that are new here, the Chop Shop is called this for a reason. We break it down. This isn't just a, a hot take thing. We really go through what we think happened and why it, why it mattered. That's why we call this show the Chop Shop. But I think that just to, to just sort of appreciate what we saw week one, the Thursday night game was incredible between the Cowboys and the Bucks. It ended with a Monday night game that went to overtime uh, between uh, the Ravens and the Raiders. I mean, you couldn't have started and ended a a week one better than the week one we just had. No, I I completely agree. And, um, you know, from soup to nuts, I mean, it's, you know, a lot of people are like, it's an extension of the preseason. Well, most of those people that extended the preseason got their asses kicked. So, yeah, uh, I just, they're they're called the Titans and we'll get into that. Yeah. Well, I I will tell you, and I used to say this all the time when we worked together at ESPN uh, on NFL Live, the show of record. Hey, the preseason doesn't doesn't count, but it does matter. It matters how you prepare. It matters how you set yourself up. It matters how you work, and it matters how you go out. I mean, it affects the way you go out and play. And we saw some teams that were flat out ready to play this weekend, and we saw some teams that were still trying to figure it out. And... um, and it's nice to get a jump. It's nice to be one and zero in in the beginning of the season. No question about that. Speaking of one team that started one and zero, and it didn't look like they were going to get there until the very end. Let's start with what was arguably the biggest matchup of Week One, and that was a a rematch of the divisional playoff round in the AFC a year ago when Cleveland went to Kansas City. I I feel like Cleveland's like I don't ever want to go to Kansas City again because you know last year in the playoffs they actually knocked Mahomes out of the games and still couldn't win, uh, and then they go down there this year. Mark, they go up 15 to 3, 22 to 10, and Patrick Mahomes is like, hold my beer, 
right? I, I don't – and people get angry with you at sometimes when you keep talking about the magnificence of Mahomes and they call him fraud and they put together these things of dropped interceptions, all these passes that should have been interceptions. You know what a dropped interception is, Mark? It's not an interception. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, that's, that's a fancy way of saying, like, a punt is a not first down. Okay? It's just the dumbest thing in the world. But in the comeback win, which he's done again – he is now, as a starter, and I, I do not credit wins to a to a quarterback, the teams that Patrick Mahomes has started for have never lost in the month of September. They've won 11 straight September games. And in those games, Patrick Mahomes has thrown for 35 touchdown passes, 3,600 yards, led the team to an average scoring of 34 points per game, and most importantly, has thrown this many interceptions in 11 games in September as a starter. Zero. It's freakazoid stuff. It truly is. You know, and it's it's interesting because as an NFL player, you kind of almost at times or an analyst, you, you count possessions. You know, you think, yeah. hey, we've got 12 possessions or 13 possessions in a game to get it done. And you get into a pressure situation and you're like, hey, man, we don't have enough possessions to get this thing done. And, and that's, you know, that's baloney when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs. That's the amazing thing. Like, Cleveland did everything right. Possessed the everything. ball. Everything. They the did ball. everything right. right. And the bottom line is you get them into a point where you're like, hey, they only got, you know, they only got at tops two possessions left. And this next thing you know, they turn two possessions into four possessions because they score on three plays on two of the possessions. And the next thing you know, you're looking up at the wrong end of a score going, what the hell just happened to us? So normally when you get into those situations, you don't have the weaponry, you don't have the wizardry of the quarterback, the weaponry of what they have on the offensive side of the ball, and you're screwed. But not in Kansas City. You are never out of it. You can be down 24 nothing like they were in that playoff game. And all of a sudden, to Houston, all of a sudden going, uh, goodbye, see you around sometime, we're winning. I mean, it's unbelievable. They went for, they went, Cleveland went for two in the first touchdown drive, which was so ballsy. They go up eight to nothing. Like I said, then they hold no field goal. They go up 15 to three, 22 to 10. And at no point did, did I think, I think the the Chiefs are in trouble. And Hmm. Cleveland's a really good football team. I mean, they're a really really good football team but that throw that he made to Tyreek Hill in the fourth quarter when when people say why do you talk so much about Mahomes I'm just gonna say watch this he's running to his right away from the rush what's the one thing you're never supposed to do uh, as a quarterback throw 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 him back across the field late back across the field except if you're Patrick Mahomes that thing was a back shoulder rocket to Tyreek Hill, and he just walked into the end zone. They get the two turnovers, one uh, that they got on the fumble, and then as Baker Mayfield's being tackled, that interception essentially ends the game. I, look, I, I, I'm getting to the point with Mahomes and the Chiefs in the month of September to where I am with uh, to I, where I am with Tom Brady. Do I believe eventually he's going to fall off? Absolutely, but until I see it. I think he's going to do it forever. And that's yeah. the way I feel about Mahomes right now. Yeah, and and rightfully so. There are, you know, I mean, that guy takes a dump. It's orange sherbet. It's uh, delicious. <laughs> Absolutely delicious. I'm going to take your word on it. But, yeah. hey, if that works for you, fantastic. Right. I mean, he's the guy's a unicorn. You know, there's there is like... 
there is like the bottom of the barrel quarterbacks, and then there's the guys that you know are good, but they probably aren't going to take you to a championship. Then there is you know the guys who are franchise quarterback. Then there are the elite quarterbacks. There's only a few of them, and then there are the unicorns. And yeah. um, at any he's given the time, there's one, two, or three of those guys in the league, and he is. I mean, he's the lead dog of all the unicorns for crying out loud. He certainly is. By the way, the AFC West capped off a, a perfect start to the weekend, 4-0, much like the uh, the NFC West. Real quickly, shout out to Justin Herbert. I don't know how much you saw of that, but I thought he was masterful in that win against a really good Washington football team. And we'll get to some offensive line play in that game in a little bit. So the AFC West goes 4-0. Uh, kudos to Derek Carr and the Raiders. That game could have gone a bunch of different ways, but they had some opportunities when Lamar fumbled and they took care of it. Mm-hmm. So the AFC West goes 4-0. The NFC West goes 4-0. And we all thought that was going to be the toughest division of football, right? Like, according to Caesar Sportsbook, you may have heard I'm working for him. Uh, they have three teams in there projected with 10 wins. But my God, what Arizona did, Mark, going into Tennessee, a team that was a playoff team a year ago, they got their asses handed to them by Kyler Murray and Chandler Jones. Yeah, they're. I mean, if the if the season were to end today, the MVP <laughs> would be Kyler Murray, and the defensive MVP MVP would be Chandler Jones. I mean, yeah. you know, I love what Lawan said, the left tackle at Tennessee Taylor on Lawan, social yeah. media. I got my ass kicked today. Um, I'm embarrassed by it. You guys deserve better. I'll be better. Thanks, Chandler Jones, for teaching me a lesson. Like I, that's that. It's just Love such. That. It's so offensive lineman of him. But um, Chandler Jones is. I mean, the the guy is a freak show, and he's not. You know, when you when you sit down one on one with him, when you talk to him, he is not a physical specimen. There's a difference between being, you know, a, a physical specimen or an athlete and being a football player. And that guy is yeah. just flat out a football player. I always say this. It's a, you know, football is really hard for athletes. It's easy for football players. That dude is just a football (laughs) player. And when it comes to Kyler Murray, man, how do you, how do you deal very much like he, very much like uh, Lamar Jackson, how do you deal with the off schedule stuff? You get him trapped, you get him figured out, you get it all done. He starts scrambling around. Every time I see him scramble around, I think of the old, uh, the old cartoon Mighty Mouse, you know, here I come to save the day. And he just started taking off and scrambling around, stopping, backing up, moving to the right, moving to the left, and then throwing a dime piece across the football field. Again, it's right, just, it's just, re- will join yeah. the fight. go ahead. I'm just doing no, that. No, it's just, I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. But I think the biggest thing that shocked me about that game, Trey, is yeah. you know how I feel about controlling the tempo and the physicality of a game. And I think you win yeah. a lot of games like that. I was shocked that Arizona just came out and, and essentially punched Tennessee in the mouth. They shut well, down Henry. They, I mean, they shut them down. To me, the the biggest the biggest improvement from last season into Week One. And granted, first of all, understand everything we're talking about. It's only Week One. Things will change dramatically. Isaiah Simmons, the kid out of Clemson, who the mm-hmm. Cardinals drafted in the first round last year, who did not have a good rookie year. Did not have a good rookie year. Obviously, there are a lot of different things that went on last year, as you were alluding to at the top of the show. He went out there and just took it to Derrick Henry. I mean, he chopped him down on more than one occasion. They held him to 3.4 yards per carry. To me, the most significant thing, like Chandler Jones is going to get his sacks. You don't expect five. but You, you expect him and J.J. Watt to pressure the quarterback. You expect Kyler Murray to make those kind of plays and do those throws if he's right. going to be QB1 for you. What Isaiah Simmons gave the Cardinals on Sunday. If I'm other teams in the division, I'm going, oh, oh, okay, he can play like that now. Like that was the biggest difference from the Cardinals a year ago to me to what we saw week one. 
Yeah, he. I mean, obviously, he can he can fly around, and he's you know been that hybrid kind of safety slash linebacker type player. And you know, it's funny. I was talking to a coach last week, and we were talking about the difference of transitioning from the college game to the professional game. And he was like, you know, sometimes you line up at a place like Clemson or a place like uh, Alabama, and Ohio just the State, jersey. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah. the jersey itself wins you the game, right? I mean, you've got so much talent, but there's an intimidation factor, especially when you're a smaller school and a school that doesn't have the same caliber athlete. And you're like, you like, they've already lost mentally. He goes, in the NFL, the guys on the other side of the ball, they hit back. They're not afraid of you. <laughs> they, right? They're not afraid that you're in a different uniform. Um, and I just thought that that was really appropriate and I think sometimes guys come into the National Football League from big schools and nobody backs down and they're shocked at the speed athleticism quickness and what they thought was physical they realize oh shoot I gotta pick up my game and I think a lot of guys early in their careers go through that transition and it's just how do you respond do, do yeah. you like okay I accept it and uh, I gotta be better or do you just roll over and get in the fetal position and it looks like he stood up and he had seven total tackles, two solo tackles, and like you said, had some big-time hits. Yeah, and then let's go quickly through the rest of the division here. Uh, San Francisco tried to give that way game away to Detroit. I mean, like, they, they were up 38-10, to 10, and then, you know, George Kittle, of all people, misses an onside kick, and then Debo Samuel fumbles one where the game was over. But they came away with the win, and Raheem Mostert is now out for the year. He's got a season-ending surgery, but I'm not concerned – not that I don't think Raheem Mostert's a good player. I know that any running back is going to be a success in Kyle Shanahan's offense. You know, it, it's funny, Trey. As I was prepping for the year and, and doing all my study here for the games, I probably talked to 12 different individual teams, and you know I consult for several NFL teams. Yep. Every single one of those teams told me, we're studying the 49ers run game. Yep. Every single one of them. Um, they have such... You know, they're all based off that wide zone stuff that Mike Shanahan implemented in my career. But the volume of run, the volume of entry point, the volume of motion to create angles and to get better shots um, and better blocking angles for his guys. It's incredible. You can take one play like a wide handoff play and you can have a different entry point for your fullback or your tight end, for instance, on every one of them. And so nine guys on those plays are doing the exact same thing. Two guys are switching responsibilities. And at the end of the day, you can take one play, like 18 handoff, for instance, and make it to the defense look like seven plays they have to defend. And that's the beauty of it, creating the angles, creating hesitation, um, giving your offensive lineman a better chance to go from the first level to the second level, seal somebody off and give that running back an extra opportunity. And Kyle Shanahan's one of the few guys, Mike, when you talk to him, or Trey, when you talk to him and Mike Shanahan, where he's like, you know how many times... Call me, Mike. Yeah. That's okay. You know how many That's times, okay, Matthew. It's all good. Right, how many times have you heard a coach say uh, in a press conference or whatever, hey, they were in an eight-man front. We're just not going to bang our heads against the wall. You know, yeah. we're going to throw it uh, on the one-on-ones on the outside when they have two high... Uh, when they when when they're when they bring a, they only have one high safety and they bring another guy down. I mean, you've heard that a million times, right? Yep. Then Kyle sure. Shanahan's like, hey, they got an eight-man front. We're going to block it up and get our back one-on-one -on -one with a single safety in the middle of the field. And if that guy makes a tackle, I'll get a new back. 
That's yeah. like that's his philosophy. Yeah. He makes a tackle on my guy. I need a new running back. And well, it, it's, it's it. very similar. It's very similar if you think about it. Like, it, there's a reason every quarterback Andy Reid has ever had, they have his best seasons under Andy Reid. Andy Reid is a guy who brings out the best in quarterbacks. Kyle Shanahan is a guy who brings out the best in running backs, and they are committed to that philosophy. You're absolutely right. Uh, the Rams, I think that Sean McVay is very happy with the trade to bring Matthew Stafford. Like, well, very yeah. Very yeah. happy. As you and I have talked about, Matthew Stafford is an elite-level quarterback that played in a uh, in a franchise that, let's just say, was less than elite-level. And he has finally got a coach. Matthew Stafford, in 11 seasons, had one running back eclipse 1,000 yards. It was Reggie Bush, and he had like 1,002 or 1,006 or something. It might have been 1,001. I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah, I mean, it was just over. the Like, just barely over, right? Yeah. And... One thing talking to Sean McVay about his offense, he he always talks about two things, the illusion of complexity and the illusion of spread. He wants you to get on your heels and try to defend spread formations, multiple wide receivers, three-wide formations. He wants you to play soft so he can thunder punch you right in the freaking teeth. And this is going to be the first time that Matthew Stafford has legitimately had a guy at a coach that thinks about let's run the ball first and then off that run, what kind of explosives can we create through scheme? And that is, you know, that is, I mean, think about the staff that Mike Shanahan had in what, 2013 with the, with the Washington football team. He had McVay, LaFleur, and Kyle Shanahan all on that staff. Plus, I think Zach Taylor might have been. I, I don't know who else was on that yeah. staff. But you think about that. And you think all of them got out of out of Washington. Way to go, Daniel yeah. Snyder. Good good thinking. <laughs> uh, it's good work by you. So, I mean, yeah. you've got three of the best head coaches in football all on that staff under Mike Shanahan. Incredible um, yeah. when you think about what they've done. But, yeah, Matthew Stafford is is set up for big-time success in, in a potential Super Bowl run. And this just in, uh, Russell Wilson was allowed to cook. And those throws to Tyler Lockett. And, and I want to be clear, people need to understand, the entire uh, defensive philosophy of the Colts was set up to avoid the big play. And they were like, we don't care. Right. <laughs> they just took it over the top a couple of times. This division is going to be brutal, right? Don't you think? I think it's, yeah. I, you know, I came in thinking it was the best division in football. I came out of week one going, that's the best division in football. Um yeah. And, you know, I mean, one, you know, all accomplished quarterbacks, some more than others. Um, two, all can control the line of scrimmage, all have legit defensive pass rushers and linebackers. And, you know, when you talk Bobby Wagner, you talk Carlos Dunlap in Seattle, you talk Nick Bosa and Fred Warner, uh, you talk about Aaron Donald and, and you know, and, and all the plethora of guys they have on defense, including Jalen Ramsey. Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt and uh, Buda Baker and and now Buda, Simmons, yeah. what we saw. I mean, every one of them has all-stars at all three levels of their defense, and they all have a quarterback that's capable, and San Francisco has the best running game in football. I mean, yeah. like, like it, it is – you know, it is one of those things. It, whoever wins it, I don't know if three teams are going to come out of that division because it's such a brutal division. But yeah. whoever wins that division and whoever's the wild card coming out of that division, both of them are legitimate Super Bowl contenders in my book. Yeah. 
Totally agree. Uh, and then a couple. We mentioned that the Titans they struggled. They didn't look good. It looked like they were. They, they. It looked like they thought this was still a fourth preseason game, right? That's kind of what it looked like. It, it really did. It looked like um, you know sometimes it's hard to because you get so vanilla in the preseason and you're not really studying. And then you go back and you watch um, you watch last year's film, and they weren't clicking. And so you get almost this false sense of security that oh we're more we're more physical, we're bigger and stronger than them, we're just a better team than them. And then they come out and just uh, you know kick you in the teeth, and it's hard to respond to that. But that certainly uh, looks to some degree uh, what happened to uh, Mike Vrabel's squad over there in Tennessee. Yeah, and then the Steelers pull off the big win in Buffalo. Um, honestly, I'm still more concerned about the Steelers than I am the Bills. And let me explain before the Steelers fans go nuts. Um, they had six uh, holding calls in that game. You're not going to win against a good defense with six holding calls. The Steelers also got a block punt return for a touchdown, which is great. Good for them. That's a real indicator. If you get a special teams touchdown, you're more often than not, you're going to win that game. But, Mark, they still can't run the football. And drafting Najee Harris did not fix all the offensive line problems the Pittsburgh Steelers had last year. And they've gotten worse with Villanueva and David DeCastro out of there now. Yeah, there's no, there's no question about that. And, you know, between you and I as a couple of old guys, Ben Roethlisberger looked old. He, yeah. just, he just looked old. Um, defensively, they're still a tough out, man. They are really no wired together. Uh, Mika Fitzpatrick. But, but part of that, Trey, you know, sometimes – uh, sometimes coaches drive me nuts. Sometimes, like I look at the Super Bowl and Andy Reid, and I understand the circumstances that happened with his son, and that's tough for anybody yeah. to overcome. But you know, when you get into football hubris, meaning, hey, we're giving you seven yards of carry, and you're too proud to take it. Um, Correct. That's a problem. That's Mike March. That's Mike March territory. Yeah, I saw yeah. with Buffalo maybe the worst fourth and one play call that I've ever seen where you yeah. fake the QB sneak and then you throw it three yards behind you like trickeration and you yeah. just get slammed on that play. I, like that stuff is too cutesy for me. You I know, agree. when I get into those situations and it's funny cause I had a co I had a talk with a, a, a team that I consult for and I said, you know what your problem is? I go, one of your problems is on second down and one, you look at that as a, a shot down a down to throw it deep over the top of the defense. I look at that as a shot down, a down to just beat the snot out of yeah. your opponent, move the chains, and get four more downs. And I yeah. go, you have the in my mind, you have the wrong mentality. I want to wear a defense out, make them defend another hardcore nasty run, and you want to play patty kick. You know, you guys want to have a pillow fight. Woohoo! we're spending the night. Pillow fight, get your jammies on. <laughs> That's not how football's supposed to work, right? It doesn't work that yeah. way. So, like that—that that is that to me with the Buffalo Bills was cutesy pillow fight, you know. And um, afterwards, we're gonna have milkshakes and banana splits. It's not how it works. No, and I will say I don't mind throwing things on fourth down. For example, I thought the call by Zach Taylor on fourth and inches in the Bengals' win over uh, over the Vikings was brilliant. But you're right, fake the sneak, throw it behind you three yards. That doesn't do anybody any good. Uh, but I, I, I was, I did really like the, the play call that Zach had uh, that basically took care of the game for them uh, as they took care of the Minnesota Vikings. All right, now let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about some other things that were very unexpected, including uh, the quarterback stats out of the game in Jacksonville between the Saints and the Packers. I gotta say, 
I did not see that coming. We'll be right back. Fire up your tailgate because the NFL is back, people. Get into the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And with the NFL returning, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when you bet $1 or more on any football game. Now listen up because you don't want to miss out on this offer. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 or more on any week one game to receive $200 in free bets instantly. The Sportsbook is not yet available in your state. DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. And for week one, DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at a $1 million top prize. Nothing adds to the excitement of watching a game quite like having a free shot at a $1 million as the top prize. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code WINGO to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. And get a free shot at a million-dollar top prize with your first deposit. That's promo code WINGO this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer and restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, back with you on the Chop Shop Week 1 Edition. Trey Wingo here with Mark Schlereth. Mark, if I had told you, here's a, a bundle of money, and there is going to be a quarterback situation in the game between the Saints and the game between the Packers. One quarterback is going to throw for five touchdowns. The other one's going to throw two interceptions, including a killer red zone interception. Where would you have put that money? Yeah, I'd have put that the exact opposite of how it came down. That's where I would have put that money. Correct. Aaron Rodgers, who is more interception-averse than any quarterback potentially ever in the history of the NFL, throws two, although he said on the Pat McAfee show today that he doesn't make excuses, but one of them was after a double nut shot. So uh, he said that was one of the reasons that ball didn't get where it was supposed to go. Uh, But he throws two, and Jameis Winston throws five. And it's not just that he throws five. He doesn't throw an interception. But, Mark, he had that stat line. I can't remember if it was a Sunday night game or a Monday night game a couple years ago between the Rams and the Ravens. You know, Lamar Jackson threw for like 114 yards and had five touchdown passes. And that's sort of exactly what Jameis had. I think it was 14 to 20 for 130-something and five touchdown passes. So uh, this is the greatest advertisement for LASIK surgery ever, right? Because Jameis has been a walking turnover his entire time. But more than that, I, I think we need to understand what Sean Payton did for this team. Because to me, there was not a more impressive showing uh, week one than how the Saints dealing with Hurricane Ida, being displaced, moving over here, practicing in Dallas, playing the game in Jacksonville. For them to come out and do what they did, I thought it was the most impressive performance for any team week one. I don't think there's any question. And I think you look at what Sean Payton has done resurrecting some QB careers, including that of Drew Brees. Man, yeah. kicked to the curb from the Chargers, uh, you know, failed, failed, failed his the medical in Miami. In Miami, and becomes, you know, the one of the top five quarterbacks that the lo- most passing yards in the history of the National Football League under uh, Sean Payton. And you know, you look at what what happened to Teddy Bridgewater in his, you know, time with Sean Payton there, and. You know, frankly, Sean Payton would have had Teddy Bridgewater take over if Drew Brees would have decided to retire earlier. So, 
you know, and what Teddy Bridgewater did week one and now with Jameis Winston. And I think one of the things that probably really bothered me, maybe more than it should, is the fact that people only look at quarterbacks. People don't really look at football. And yeah. when you look at, at the New Orleans Saints, I mean, both offensive tackles are all pro. They've got Pro Bowl players all across the inside at guard and center. Yep. They've got Alvin Kamara, who's one of the best players in the National Football League. They are loaded. And on defense, they've got all pros at all levels. They've got all pros on the D-line. They've got an all-pro middle linebacker. They've got all-pro corners and a great, great nickel player. And when you talk to NFL coaches, they're always like, defensively, who's their nickel guy? And can we attack that guy? So I'm just going to tell you, that roster is probably just about as good as any roster that I that I studied last year uh, in calling games. And then you put your players, and this is a Sean Paytonism. And, and so I'm meeting with Sean last year, and he said, hey, listen, Stink, when I'm game planning, I don't care how good the look is, how good the matchup is. I The first thing I say, I love that matchup. If I have to bypass that matchup to mitigate one of my own weaknesses, that's where my first that's where my attention goes. So I'm like, yeah. I'll take this great matchup, this juicy matchup. It looks like a, you know, it looks like a, the best, you know, the, a, a, it looks like a bone-in, a bone-in ribeye that's totally marbled and lots of fat on it. And I want to eat that thing like I've never wanted to eat anything. But I'm going to expose my right tackle if I do that. I'm going to can that matchup, and I'm going to make sure that guy is protected. I'm not putting a player in a position to fail and then looking at that player go, why'd you fail? Because I'm the dumbass that put you in the position to fail. And and so I love the philosophical approach to say, let me mitigate your weaknesses as a coach, and let me accentuate your strengths as a player. And that is Sean Payton, and I think you're going to see that with Jameis Winston throughout the entirety of this season. The other side of the coin, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers struggled. And let's just get this out right now. This had nothing to do with what went on this summer. I want to be 100% clear. I mean, I believe that. Do you believe that? I don't believe it has anything to do with what went on in the organization and, you know, yeah. upset. I do believe this. And you and I were doing NFL Live years and years ago when Peyton Manning missed the majority of the preseason with the Indianapolis Colts and struggled. And after yeah. the first game, they asked him, you know, kind of what happened. And he came out and said it would be disrespectful um, to the game disrespectful to the game to act like i can miss the preseason and all those reps and all that practice time and come out here and play at the level you're accustomed to watching me play at and i think as good as aaron Rodgers is man you miss all those otas you miss the mini camps you miss a lot that there is you know there's there's an effect it has on you well here's the only thing i can say about that is that that all happened last year, and he didn't play, he didn't play any preseason games because there weren't any, and he was the MVP. So, yeah, you know, and, I, which nobody else did either, though, which was yeah. which was a little bit different. But right. I, I'm with you. I think I don't think it has to do with like I, I had people ask me, "Do you think he's committed to the team? Do you think this was a major like I, I'll show you guys? He is too prideful. He is too Correct. good, and his career has been too exceptional to ever." disrespect the game that way i know him too well to think that he would ever ever no, he, have that he, level of right. disrespect he, it, that would never look just go back to the match he still ticked at phil mickelson for talking trash so when he made another putt phil tried to knuckle him up and he said get the hell out of here that's not who he is if he's going out there 
He just it just didn't work. But right. the bigger concern is, okay, what are your real concerns with Green Bay? Well, I even go last year, uh, Trey. Defensively, they they were not great on the defensive side of the ball. As a matter of fact, Mike Pettin, their coordinator, was like, "Man, I'm going to play dime to everything because it's my best eleven players." That's a problem when your yeah. best eleven players include having six DBs on the field, and yeah. even if if the other team is in base. You know, that's a size disadvantage. We used to say this all the time. If a fight breaks out, make sure you kick the ass of the little guy over the big guy because the little guys are lighter, right? Go after that guy. And so, yeah, I'm just like, you cannot play the game that way. I think there is, I think there's no question there's an issue there on the defensive side that they haven't addressed. They changed the coach, but I don't think they've gotten a lot better, at least not in week one, on that side of the ball. And then yep. it's just a matter of the rhythm of, of offense and what you're trying to do. Um, I believe that side of the ball will eventually get up to speed and start playing well again. But um, certainly week one was a debacle for Green Bay. Yeah. And for everybody that lost week one, let me just use an Aaron Rodgers-ism. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. It's just the first week. It's a marathon. It is not a sprint. You know, I had a lot of people tell me, wow. Uh, Dallas looked really good in that uh, in that loss Thursday night to the Bucks, and and I was like, yeah. Except they did exactly what they've done the last couple of years. They played just well enough to lose. And to me, until that changes, right. uh, until they play well enough to win, I'm not going to believe it. Like, forget the 60 yard field goal, okay? Forget the 60 yard, eh, 60 yard field goal. The the missed extra point and the Gimme chip shot that Zerline missed. That's four points. Why is that significant? Those four points are on the board. They don't need a field goal to win Tampa Bay. They need a touchdown to win. And that is a different equation. And I know it's Tom Brady and they have all these weapons, but you know, the Dallas defense played okay. But the one thing, Mark, that I that I came away with more than anything else with that Cowboys loss to the Bucks is that that Zeke contract is still killing the Dallas Cowboys. They threw it 50-plus times. Zeke ran it 11 times. And I know the Bucs have a great rush defense, but this has been the way. They have, they, they, when they gave the deal to Zeke, they had already shifted the offense to run through Dak, and they didn't give Dak a deal. So why would you give Zeke that deal? He's not going to be on the team next year. Why would you give him that deal when you know the offense is going in the other way? Yeah, you know what's what's interesting too is you understand when you throw it fifty times, your your likelihood. I think there's only one quarterback that's that has a winning record when he's thrown it over fifty plus times, and, and you know there's a certain amount of games you've got a threshold, but it's Tom right. Brady. And the bottom line is, you know, I'm having a conversation going back to Sean Payton about running the football and running against Tampa, and he's like, my only goal. I mean, our goal is to win. But they've got the number one rush defense in football. And you know what my goal is every time we play them? I'm going to get 100 yards rushing. Come yeah. hell or high water, we're going to get 100 yards rushing. Now, it may, up on it, it may be late in the game before we eclipse it, but we're going yeah. to do it because it's going to keep them honest. It's going yeah. to make them play an honest football game. 11 carries when when you have Zeke is, I'm sorry. Um, Unacceptable. That, that it just doesn't work for me, you know? And yeah. and I just look at the franchise in general, man. And, 
you know, the Jerry Jones thing, I'll do anything known to man uh, to, to, to win a championship. Except, except the one thing he won't do. Right. Except uh, give up being the general manager or my bi-weekly radio show or my bus or my yacht or my, you know, yeah. uh, I, I just like, you know, they have got to figure out what it takes to actually win these games and to create a culture where losing is unacceptable. And that's, yeah. that is hard to do. Last thing before we move on from the Cowboys, Dak looked phenomenal, and this is why people were so sourced. Like, he's, if the Cowboys lose, it's not on Dak, and that's why wins and losses are not a quarterback stat, right? Right. He was amazing. And I'll go all the way back to his rookie year. Um, the guy at whatever he was, 23-24 trade, that dude has an old soul. He is yeah. prepared. He is yep. ready to play. Um, he's a phenomenal player. And, you know, I've been banging on the drum to pay that guy for the last two years. And I don't know what they didn't see, but what I've seen since the day he walked in the league, maturity, execution, um, accuracy. And and I didn't think he was going to get that. Coming out of Mississippi State, I just didn't think he had that. Boy, was I wrong on that one. He has yeah. just been everything and, and more than advertised. We love Dak. We're excited about Dak, and right. we're we're going to run the offense through Dak. But we're going to pay Zeke a bazillion dollars. Yeah. One thing that didn't get a lot of pub, but I thought was really important in Week One, watching Rayshon Slater, the first round pick out of Northwestern, for the Chargers, absolutely take it to Chase Young in that matchup. That was impressive. And I remember talking to Tom Telesco before the draft. And he said one of the reasons we were so high on Slater is we saw him when he was at Northwestern taking down Chase Young when he was at Ohio State. And he did a really, really good job uh, in a very tough place on the road against a really good defense. Just keep your eye on Rayshon Slater going forward. As Teddy Bruschi likes to say every once in a while, Take your eye off the ball, you might learn something. So that's that's one of my little sneaky takeaways from week one. You yeah. got anything you want to throw out there? Oh, that he was he was incredible, man. Just watching him, watching the physicality and the technique with he which battled, he played. He battled too. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought he was great. So I'm 100 percent with you on that. And I will say this: um, I got an opportunity to be in New York and call the Giants and the Broncos. And uh, for all those people who Giants have fans were very excited, yeah, yeah, you know what? It crickets from Giants fans, crickets. Uh, by the way, uh, for all the people who uh, wrote Teddy Bridgewater's obituary, yep, pound sand. Yep. his story Good is incredible. Him. His leadership is incredible. His pocket presence is incredible. The way he. Uh, stays calm and cool and collected, even under duress. I just couldn't be more impressed with Teddy Bridgewater, the quarterback, more importantly, Teddy Bridgewater, the person. He is a made-for-television production. The guy's story is unreal, and uh, I love it when the good guys look like they've won, and he looked like he won on uh, Sunday, so good for Teddy Bridgewater. Yep, and the AFC West is going to be very interesting with the quarterback situation on all four teams this year. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Buddy, I love you. We're going to do this all season long. It's going to be a blast. And uh, remember, 
The chicken runs at midnight. The chicken runs at midnight. Everybody knows it. That's a that's an old inside joke, and no one gets it. But you know what? I don't care. Hey, we We're don't even fun. get it. It's like no. the punchline wrecked no. him, damn near killed him, and I don't even know what the joke <laughs> is. But I love the punchline. All right, get out of here, you big idiot. I'll talk All to right, you next love week. Love you too, man. Take care, See buddy. Ya. Thanks to Starbucks Triple Shot Energy, extra strength coffee beverage in a can. What gives you energy? Find your Starbucks Triple Shot Energy online or at your local store.